Happy New Year, everybody. You made it. We've made it together. It's 2022. We want to say Happy New Year. And again, our prayer is that God is going ahead of you in incredible ways. Today, we kick off a special message series with a special guest communicator. His name is Steve Norman. And recently, Pastor Chris and I connected with the broader part of our Heritage family to share with them a little bit about Steve and what this conversation is going to be. So check this out. Hey, Heritage, so excited. Man, we're in 2022. Woo! We made it. We made it. Yes. We are so excited about this series that we're launching this morning, Breakthrough Prayer. And again, we so believe that God's got amazing things for you in this coming year, which is why we're launching today this 22 days in 2022, asking Holy Spirit to do just incredible things in your life personally perhaps in relationships, perhaps in your finances, perhaps at work. We're just asking Holy Spirit to allow you to experience a breakthrough somewhere in your life. And this morning, I am so excited for you. You have the opportunity to hear our good friend, Steve Norman, again. Now, because we're in this interim period, we want to make it really crystal clear. Although we love Steve to death, he's not coming today as a candidate to be our next senior pastor. We just felt that for some of you, you might be like, ah, Steve here for like an alternative reason. Yeah. Now, let me let you know, I think Pastor Steve would be a great next senior pastor for Heritage. But the truth of the matter is, he feels very called to Western Michigan, which is where he and his wife, Kelly, live. And so that's where they're there. But he's here and he's agreed to launch this series mm-hmm. on Breakthrough Prayer. And we're so excited to have him. And about that series, we just want to give you some more information about some ways that you can engage throughout the week. Yeah. So, so you'll be, if you follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, opportunities like that, get our e-news, you'll be invited into different moments and opportunities, ways of praying throughout the next couple of weeks, few weeks, as we step into these 22 days. One of those is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You're going to be invited to join us in person or virtually starting around noon uh, for a committed time of prayer, fasting, declaration, you know, all of that kind of, of just pressing into God's presence together. So the live stream for that will usually start a few minutes uh, into the 12 o'clock hour to give you time if you're at work and you want to go head out to your car for that or, or however you want to connect virtually with that to do that. Um, and then we'll be here live at Bridgepoint. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for those 22 days, pressing into God's goodness, asking him to do impossible things in and through us together. And then we're really excited about a capstone prayer and worship night. We're going to be inviting you into spaces of fasting. And then on the 22nd, we're going to break the fast together with communion and some pizza together and celebrating again what God did, how he answered our prayers for breakthrough. And uh, I just can't wait. I can't wait to hear your stories of God showing up in the places that you lay before him. So so be courageous, be bold, ask for big things, and let's see what God does together. Thanks, Heritage, so much. So glad that you're with us this morning. So excited about Steve being with us. Mm -hmm. Enjoy this time, and let's believe God for great things in 2022. Just one word. 
the storm that surrounds Just one word The darkness has to retreat Just one touch I feel the presence of heaven yes, Just one touch My eyes are open to see My heart can't help but believe No hay imposibles para Dios No hay montaña que no moverá Gloria que camina vio no hay imposibles para Dios Just one word You hear what's broken inside Just one word And you revive every dream Ooh, Just one touch I feel the power of it Let faith arise, let all the creed, there's no 
All right, Claire. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. But I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you than somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. I love, I love when, the, when the person in that video said that God doesn't hear just prayer. God hears desperate prayer. And if you ever, ever have a chance to go to the Middle East or, or go to visit Israel, you'll see that in Jewish tradition, there's a place called the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall. And ancient Jews believe that that is the closest that modern day Jews can get to the presence of God. In fact, when you enter that square, it will say you're entering the place where the divine presence rests. And in that culture, in that tradition, it believes that God has a specific address, and if you want a breakthrough, you have to go there. And the same is true in, in Muslim tradition. There, there are cities and shrines that you need to actually travel to in order for God to hear you. Or, or, or in Nepal, you can actually visit the birthplace of, of the Buddha. It's a place called Lumbini. And if you go there, there are, there are not just one Buddhist temple, but there are temples for every single country where Buddhism is dominant. So if you're, if you're Thai and you, you go to Nepal and you were to worship at the Thai temple, you go there. And if you're Chinese and you want to worship at the Chinese temple, you go there. There are all these very specific places, all these rules and regulations that you have to follow if you want to experience a breakthrough. But as people who are students of the Bible, people who are followers of Jesus, the good news is the best place for you to have a breakthrough is not in any shrine, not in any specific church, not in any one locale, not in any specific set of GPS coordinates. The place where you're most primed to experience a breakthrough is when you have a posture of humility or you finally step into a place of intensity or tenacity or clarity. These are the places that I believe breakthrough is born out of. So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into the scriptures together. Father God, I thank you for the gift that we have here together. I thank you for the, for the freedom and the ability to, to travel and to be either present live or online with the expectation that you desire to speak to us. And you want to give us a gift of faith and hope and confidence that would draw us to lean into you in a fresh way that maybe we've never tried or experienced before. So God, we don't, we don't come as a part of a New Year's uh, tradition. We come expecting you anew so that you can be glorified in our lives and in our circumstances in ways that we might not have even ever imagined. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I believe that breakthrough happens when we are at a point of desperation. And I don't know when you've prayed your first desperate prayer. But I remember mine pretty vividly. My family was visiting Disney World. I think I was probably eight or nine years old. And we went on this roller coaster called Space Mountain. And I went on it for the very first time. If you've ever been to Space Mountain, you know that one of the things that's unique about it, it's a fully enclosed roller coaster. So that when you go in it, it's pitch black. 
You know, there are a couple lights that happen throughout the way, but, but when I'm on a roller coaster and I know where I'm going, I'm okay. But when I don't know where the drops are, where the turns are, like your stomach is telling you that you're moving, even if your eyes can't tell you that it's there. And I remember I was sitting in the front part of this little roller coaster container. I was down in the fetal position, my head between my knees, and my little sister who is riding behind me will testify that this is the truth. This is my prayer. Please, God, don't let me die. Please, God, don't let me die. Now, in my like eight-year-old mind, I didn't have any idea that the ride was like vetted and pretty safe. It's always bad for theme parks if there's an accident. I didn't know that I was in any real danger, but in that moment, I was desperate. And some of us are in, in moments of desperation today that aren't, aren't nearly as amusing as the one that I felt then. And I believe that one of the places that God meets us are those places of humility where we say, God, I am at the end of my rope. I'm in a set of circumstances that I can't buy, earn, claw, or learn my way out of. If you don't show up, I am truly lost. We read a similar story in Isaiah 38. It says this, In those days Hezekiah, king of Israel, became ill and was at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says, Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. This is literally a, a death sentence for Hezekiah. The prophet of God, who would know better than anybody else, says, this is the end of your road. And maybe you've had that moment in the last weeks and months. Because in the last week, a father has had an oncologist come into an exam room and say, this is the end of the road. A young husband has served divorce papers by his wife's attorney and says, this is the end of the road. A single mom is being told that her position at work is being eliminated and hears, this is the end of the road. An inmate is rejected parole after years of what he believes to be model behavior and hears again, this is the end of the road. We've been told that with enough hustle and determination, we can overcome anything, but there are some battles in life that hard work and a good attitude just won't win. And this is where Hezekiah is. Isaiah tells us that Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord. Now initially I'm like, what does that mean to turn his face towards the wall? And some scholars believe that because he was king, he was never alone. There are always attendants, there are always bodyguards, there are always officials, and the only place where he could get some privacy is when he actually turned away from those who were gathered in the room and played towards the wall in a moment of desperation. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Some of us have had a turn our face towards the wall and weep bitterly moment recently where we had to go into our car or we had to bury our face in a pillow and just emit gut-wrenching sobs because there were truly no words for the anguish we were experiencing sometimes the most honest prayer that you can pray is one that comes through your tears The scriptures continue. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. 
So not only does God hear Hezekiah's prayers, he gives him two gifts. He heals him of his illness, he extends 15 years to his life, and he delivers him from a political scenario that seemed like it was an unwinnable war. So God is gracious on every terms, but I love that one line where God says, I have seen your tears. Some of us in our moments of desperation are tempted to believe a lie that God isn't with us, that God isn't for us, and that God doesn't see us. And I don't know about you, but for those of you who are in the room who are parents, if you see a single tear roll off of your child's cheek, you, it's, it's, like you wanna, it's like you wanna catch it for them. To let them know that in their grief, in their heartache, in their suffering, they're not alone. And if there's only one thing that you hear today, it's that know, know this. That no matter where you need a breakthrough, God sees your tears. The author of the book of Hebrews says that in Jesus, we have a high priest who has been tempted and challenged in every single way that we have. There's no loss, there's no temptation, there's no disappointment that he in the flesh as Jesus, the Jesus that arrived that we celebrate at Christmas, hasn't known or experienced or felt. And Hezekiah gets a gift. He is healed and he wants to tell the city his story. So he, so he writes a song that he needs everybody to hear. And it goes like this. He has spoken to me. He, God himself, has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You put all my sins behind my back. Desperation creates space for us to finally admit that we need God's help. And I believe that for some of us, the place that we must go through on the road to breakthrough is a place of humility. To be able to say, God, I'm stuck. God, I can't do it. I, I need you and I need you now. So if you're somebody who's primed for a breakthrough, I want to encourage you to get to a place of humility where you say, God, I need you more than I need myself. And there's another passage that talks about another, another place that some of us need to go through on our way to breakthrough, and that's a place of intensity. Breakthrough happens when we pray from intensity. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, oh, so-and-so, so they're passionate about that team, or they're passionate about that issue, or they're passionate about that relationship. The old English word for passion, some of us have heard the passion of the Christ, literally means to suffer. It means to care about something so much that you hurt. And in scriptures, we read about somebody like Hezekiah who prays from humility, but we also learn about another guy by the name of Elijah who prays from a place of deep intensity. We read this in the book of James. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And in just a couple of weeks, Pastor Jeremiah is going to talk about the link between confession and repentance and breakthrough. So make sure that you don't miss that. But later in this passage, James says, Elijah was a human being just like we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced 
crops. Well, some of us would ask this question. Why in the world would a man of God pray for a natural disaster? <laughs> Seems like that would cause like undue harm and pain on thousands of people who need rain to survive in an agricultural society. Well, Elijah's main job in that culture was to be a prophet. And the prophet's job was to tell the king or and other people in influence and power what they needed to hear from God, whether they wanted to hear it or not. And during Elijah's life, the king who was reigning was a guy by the name of Ahab. He was married to a woman named Jezebel. Some of you know that Jezebel doesn't have a really great reputation. Now, Ahab and Jezebel were known for being like wicked, twisted, and cruel people. And because they, were, they had all of the power and all of the wealth in the kingdom, there wasn't really any set of circumstances that would drive them to their knees unless there was some kind of natural disaster or tragedy that they could not influence or control with all of their political wealth and influence. And so Elijah says to Ahab, he's like, I'm going to pray that it doesn't rain so that you can know that you're not calling the shots in this kingdom. And after three and a half years of no rain, it will drive you to your knees. And sure enough, it does. Ahab needed to be reminded that he wasn't calling the shots. And Elijah's prayers were fulfilled in a way that let him know that that was true. Now, later in the story, Ahab gets a message from a friend of Elijah's that says, Elijah's going to pray for rain, but before that happens... Um, there's going to be the showdown between all of the worshipers of this false god, Baal, and between the one true God of Israel. So the, this is what I love about Elijah. He gathers the entire nation to, the, to this mountain, Mount Carmel. And he has all of the prophets of the false god, Baal, come together. There are, between Baal and Asher, there are 850 prophets against this, wrong, this, this twisted false religion. And then representing the one true God of the universe is one guy. There's Elijah standing all on his own. And it says that he says, why don't you guys pray for your God to deliver fire? And I'll pray for my God to deliver fire. Whenever God, whenever God shows up, wins. And all the people are like, great, fireworks. This is awesome. So the prophets of Baal pray. It says that they pray all morning. Like I'm a Bible nerd, so I was doing the math. If you have 850 people pray for four hours. That's over 3,000 prayer hours and nothing happens. And then it says Elijah prays a 20-second prayer and God immediately answers with fire. And I love it because this scripture reminds us that breakthrough doesn't necessarily require a certain duration of prayer. It's not, it's not, breakthrough doesn't hinge on the number of hours that we pray. Breakthrough is not a, not a prize that God gives us for like prayer hours logged. But in this moment, God gives breakthrough not just for Elijah, but for an entire country to be led to the point of revival and renewal. And so God answers with fire. So the good news is they get fire. The, the other news is they still need rain. So Elijah goes to the top of the mountain and he goes, God, will you please give us rain? Well, what's interesting is God, God answered Elijah's prayer for fire after one prayer. But when he prays for rain, after his first prayer, nothing happens. And after his second prayer, silence. And after his third prayer, nothing. Fourth, fifth, sixth, zero. He prays a seventh time with his head between his knees in a posture of passion and intensity and, and, and perseverance. And Elijah's servant says, um, Hey, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. And Elijah goes, that's good enough for me. And he stops praying because he knows that God has heard and answered his prayer. What I love about Elijah is that the prayers that he's praying aren't prayers for himself. And don't get me wrong, Elijah has his own very real problems. As long as Ahab and Jezebel are alive, they are always trying to kill him. But Elijah isn't praying for deliverance for his enemies. He's praying for God's revelation to change a nation. 
And when Elijah is praying, he's praying for the people around him. God isn't bound by formulas. Just as Jesus heals different people differently, Elijah prays differently in different moments. But every time he prays, he prays with passion and intensity. And that intensity is born out of what? It's born out of love, love for God, love for his enemy, love for the faithless. And I believe that at the end of the day, it is the depth of our love that drives the intensity of our prayer. And if we care about somebody deeply, we will pray for them without ceasing. And if we love somebody not so much, like we might offer up a half-hearted one-off and then get on with our lives. But I want to ask you this question. Who in your life is sitting in an Ahab seat? Their heart, is hard, their heart is hardened against God. Their neck is stiff. Their resolve is steeled against the person and the plans and the will of God. And maybe they need their own drought, not to harm them, but to wake them up. Maybe they need a wake-up call. Maybe they need to be reminded that they're not in control. Maybe the greatest gift that you can pray for somebody that you care about who is headed off a cliff with the choices that they're making in their life is, God, will you allow them to hit rock bottom sooner rather than later? Will you show them that the road that they're on ends in heartache and sadness without you? Will you invite them to see a different, truer, richer picture of who you are? So we care about anything. You're going to pray with intensity. So Hezekiah understands that he's got to stop at humility on the way to breakthrough. Elijah understands that he's got to stop at intensity on the way to breakthrough. And then there's an unnamed widow that Jesus talks about in a parable in recorded in the book of Luke that she understands that she needs to stop at a place called tenacity on her way to breakthrough. Listen to this story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet this widow, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I love it. The judge isn't saying, I'll give her justice because she deserves it, or I'll give her justice because it's the right thing to do, or I'll give her justice because my moral compass is aligned with, with God and goodness. He's like, no, I'll give her justice because she's creeping me out. Like every time I come into my driveway, she's like, waiting in my garage and every time I wake up she's peeking through my window the judge is saying like I'm concerned for my personal safety that's why I'm going to give her what she wants she has no quit and the Lord said listen to what the unjust judge says and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones cry out to them day and night will he keep putting them off I tell you he will see that when they get justice they get it quickly However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been on the receiving end of injustice, you know how unsettling it is. And, and maybe, you know, maybe there was somebody who, who owed you money and you didn't get it back. And if it was $5, my guess is that you probably let it go. 
But if somebody wronged you to the tune of $50,000, guess what? You're not going to let that ride. You're going to show up at their house every single day until you get it. Why? Because the stakes are that high. So sometimes when we hear about a widow, we're like, oh, that's tragic that somebody lost their loved one after decades of marriage, and I'm sure it's probably a sad existence. But in our society, we, we've, got, we've got some safety nets. We've, we've got Medicare. We've got Social Security. We've got other options where people will rally around somebody who's in need. But in ancient Near, East, Near Eastern culture, if you were a widow and your husband was in debt when you died, or maybe your brother-in-law or your husband's employer stole an inheritance that belonged to you, there was nobody who was going to bat for you. So her entire economic livelihood is at stake. If she doesn't get justice, she is going to die. Because she can't eat. The stakes are high for her. And that's why Jesus says she just keeps scratching and clawing and coming and begging until she gets the answer that she needs. Sometimes we stop short of breakthrough because we tried once, two times, three times and didn't get an answer. But God is inviting us to learn perseverance. Paul in his letter to the Romans says that we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. If you want hope, you have to keep pushing. I once heard a preacher give an acronym for prayer and he said, it was, he goes, when you pray, pray with a push. Push means pray until something happens. Have you ever noticed that like we live in a microwave culture, if we can't have something in like two and a half minutes, we, we just don't want to wait for it. I remember I had a friend once who said like, hey, I've been struggling with addiction. It's time for me to go to recovery. And I checked it within him a couple months later and I said, how's it going? They're like, ah, I dropped out. It wasn't really my bag. And I go, well, how many meetings did you go to? And they're like, ah, I went twice. I was like, well, that's not the right answer. It's like somebody, like, I know you can't tell it now, but for 18 years of my life, I was a group fitness instructor. I taught, I taught a spin class and it was because I was cheap and I wanted a free membership to the gym. But sometimes we would meet with people and they're like, I want to lose weight. You're like, great. How many pounds do you want to lose? They're like, I want to lose 10, 10 pounds. When do you want to lose it? I want to lose it in five days. And you're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Like that, that's, that's not healthy. I mean, you could, you could lose that in water weight, but it wouldn't be good for you. You've got to develop a plan. And I remember working with a personal trainer once. He goes, Steve, you've got to put in at least six to eight weeks of initial work before your body will start responding to any changes. I was like, oh, that doesn't sound like very much fun at all. And just like when we experience physical changes, our body needs times. So I think sometimes when we experience spiritual changes, our character needs to evolve over a season. And some of us say, well, why didn't God grant the, in the story, why didn't the widow's prayer get answered on the first turn? Because there was something that God wanted to grow in her that could only grow through lessons and perseverance. And I don't know about you, sometimes when I pray for breakthrough, I'm like, God, I need you to change your mind, or I need these circumstances to change, or I want that person to change. And sometimes the Holy Spirit whispers to me, Steve, I want you to change. I'm like, but I don't want to change. I just want everything around me to be different. And God says, what kind of breakthrough do you want? Do you want a temporary circumstantial breakthrough or do you want a personal lifelong transformation? And I believe that sometimes God leads us to points of breakthrough so that we can learn tenacity, so that, so that we can learn what it means to hang on to Jesus and not let go because there's something he wants to teach us in the process. So God teaches Hezekiah about humility to lead into a healing breakthrough. And, and God teaches Elijah about intensity so he can lead him to a revival breakthrough. And God teaches the widow about tenacity so he can lead her to a financial breakthrough. 
And then finally we learn about Elijah's successor, a guy by the name of Elisha, who stops at a place called Clarity on a way to spiritual breakthrough. You ever notice that the first sense that we lose in a crisis is perspective? Stress forces us into a tunnel vision, and we lose capacity to see a problem from different angles. That's what happens in 2 Kings chapter 6. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and after conferring with his officers, he said, I'll set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God, Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. It's like before there were drones and satellites, God gave prophets supernatural insight into how enemies were operating to protect his people. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by Elisha, the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. Like who's the mole in our army? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet of God who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. He's got like listening devices by the Holy Spirit in your palace. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back. He's in a city called Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. So an entire army has been sent to capture one man. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of chariots and horses of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And he told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside of Samaria, the city where the king of Israel was living. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? These are the people who are after you. These are the people who have been harassing us. These are our cross-town rivals. If we can eliminate them, everything will be going better for us. This is the breakthrough that I wanted, to be able to destroy our enemies and burn them to the ground. Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. By the grace of God, which what was about to be a mass execution turned into a multicultural party. By the grace of God, in an instant, enemies became allies. Not only were the people of Israel spared an attack, but they were spared all future attacks. Elisha's servant was drowning in fear until he could see. And once he could see, his posture changed from despair to hope. Once he could see, his posture changed from despair to hope. 
Once a group of friends and I from our church in the Detroit area were visiting a church in Chicago for a conference, and we were making our way back home on uh, I-94, headed eastbound and westbound. Out of the corner of my eye, I was riding in the back seat of the van that my buddy was driving. Out of the corner of my eye, I see a semi-tractor trailer barreling through the median and slam into the, the guard, the, 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 uh, the metal wires that kind of keep it on one side, and it became tangled in the wires, and it was skidding through the dirt as it tripped over on its side. And my buddy pulled over the van, and both he and I start sprinting down the shoulder to be able to say, somebody is, has to be badly injured. And in our mind, we're like, we're, we're going to have to pry open the door of the cab and pull this trucker out. And we get there, and to our absolute and utter astonishment, there was nobody there. And the guy is running down the other side of the freeway. He goes, he was trying to wave us off. He's like, there's nobody in there. There's nobody in there. We're like, that's not possible. There has to be somebody in there. What we didn't know is that a truck that he had been towing had broken loose and was driverless barreling down the highway. See, in our mind, there was only one solution, that somebody was driving the truck and that person had to be severely injured. But in reality, we, didn't, we couldn't see the whole picture. And once we realized that the only thing that had been damaged was the truck and not somebody's life, everybody could breathe easy. We saw it from a completely different angle. And is it possible that some of us are running down the freeways of our lives, our hearts, minds, eyes filled with panic? Because we can only imagine with our limited human insight one possible scenario and one possible outcome. Some of us are begging for breakthrough because we cannot, there's no possible human solution for the problem that we can see. But God says, I can see this from an entirely different vantage point. I have insight that you don't yet have. I have mastery over, over time and different angles that you, you don't have. And so sometimes the best thing that we can pray on the, on the way to breakthrough is to pray for clarity. God, will you open my eyes so that I can see what you see? I can see the spiritual realities of a situation that my eyes are currently blind to. If you're stuck on the brink of a new season and a new year, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. God, open my eyes so that I can see. Open my eyes so that I can see your goodness. Open my eyes so that I can see your power. Open my eyes so I can see your love or see your wisdom, or see your grace, or see your heart for the people that I have come to dislike. When you find yourself on the edge of circumstances that drive you to your knees, don't despair. You just might be on the brink of a breakthrough. And I want to pray uh, for you as individuals and families and for us as the people of heritage that say, God, over these next 22 days, will you stretch us in our humility, in our intensity? Will you stretch us in our tenacity? And will you stretch us in our clarity? And some of you are going to be engaging in disciplines like prayer or reflection or journaling or confession or fasting, maybe for the very first time. And some of these practices are going to take you out of your comfort zone, and I'm going to say, that's a good thing. Don't fight that. Don't, don't resist it. Take, take a risk. Take a step. Take a leap in a direction that will take you beyond the places that you have felt comfortable in before. Because it's when we get out of our space where we feel like we're in control that we set up the stage, that we open the door, that we create space for God to appear and arrive and speak in ways that we could never anticipate and never imagine. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that, your, that it's your desire 
to reveal yourself to us as individuals, as a church, as a town, even as a nation in a new way. And I pray, God, that you would lead us to great humility. That you would remind us that the reason that we need breakthrough is because there are things we can't achieve on our own. And the reason that we need intensity is because you want, to, you want us to draw, pull prayer out of a well of love for you and for others. And God, you want to teach us tenacity and you want to lead us into clarity. So God, give us a desire to say, Lord, whatever gift it is that you want to give to me in these early days of 2022, I want to receive it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name
are praying for incredible breakthrough in your life, in your family, in whatever circumstances that you're facing, we believe God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we ask or imagine, that He wants to bring real breakthrough. We can't wait to see what God does as we press into Him, as we identify spaces where we're crying out for Him to do impossible things, as we set aside time and prayer and fasting. And so we want to hear your stories of how God is responding as you chase after Him. Spaces of breakthrough that He brings you in and through. So share that with us by going to heritageqc.com and using the virtual connect card right there. We really want to hear how God moves and works, and we want to join you in your prayer spaces and moments. So share with us how we can be praying for breakthrough in your life. 
While you're there, you'll see all kinds of other great opportunities to connect into the life of Heritage by giving, by serving, by praying, connecting in groups, all kinds of different ways. And we encourage you to check that out. Now, as part of this breakthrough series that we're pressing into, we're also cultivating specific moments where the body's gonna gather for prayer, for worship, press into God's presence together. That includes opportunities every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for about three weeks, where we're gonna press into God's presence, gather virtually and in person to pray and to process. So you can join us by going to our social media channels at Facebook and YouTube, or by connecting right here at Bridgepoint. That's gonna be happening at noon on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And the live stream will start just a few minutes after that. So if you need to run out to your car or step into a different place to be able to participate fully, you can do that. We encourage you to be part of that. Now, our capstone event for all of this, when we are gonna share stories of how God showed up, where we're gonna celebrate and continue to ask him to do more than we ask or imagine, is on January 23rd. That's a Sunday at five o'clock in the evening. We're gonna gather at our Rock Island campus in order to praise, pray, and worship. And then we're gonna break our time of fasting together with communion and by sharing a meal together. You're invited to be part of that, so mark your calendar. We really hope to see you on the 23rd at five o'clock as we celebrate all that God does. Now in the meantime, no, we're praying for you. We're asking God to do great things on your behalf and we love you very much. Can't wait to see you soon.